Thank you guys for tuning in. This is episode 23 of Coaching Connections. Now, today we have a very special player edition, and we had a chance to talk to Mr. Chris Ross and Mr. Ben Uzo, two San Antonio natives, two San Antonio legends, both played their high school ball here in town and have since had outstanding careers. These two guys are just very humble and genuine people. If you ever get a chance to meet them and know them in person, you have a good idea of what I'm talking about. Mr. Chris Ross plays out in the Philippines and is having himself a heck of a career. You're talking about championships and, and just playing at a very high level. Ben Uzo spent some time in the NBA. He spent some time overseas, uh, played in the Nigerian national team where he, he uh, competed in the Olympic Games in 2016, and they just qualified again for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, uh, but the pandemic is putting a pause on some of those plans. We had a great conversation talking about their journeys uh, through the profession, people that have helped them along the way, and their love for the game, including uh, some of the favorite NBA players and top favorite shoes of all time. So we just had a blast talking. I hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I did. Episode 23, Ben Uzo, Chris Ross. Let's get after it. What's up, Chris? What up, bro? You can hear me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it sound, sound good over there? Nice and clear. Good. Yeah. What's good with you? Chilling, man. Just chilling. Just uh, trying to stay healthy. And uh, and uh, the, my wife, we bought a Peloton like two months ago. How's the, that going? It was on back order. And so we okay. paid this thing way back when. And it finally came in this morning, so I set it up. And we gave it a little spin this morning. That was legit. Yeah. Was legit. Damn, two months back order? I tell you, I guess everybody, once we went on lockdown, they uh, everybody was buying Pelotons or something. Yeah. What up, Mark? What's up, brother? How you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, we're good. Can you hear him, Chris? Yeah. Where you at, Uz? What's up, Rico? Where you at, bro? Nah. I just got the uh, Phoenix, boy. You in Phoenix? Yeah. You good? Like, this is like an airport. I thought you were in the airport. Yeah, I, I ain't gonna lie. I thought I was gonna have enough time to land and get to where I was getting to, but I guess the time difference. It's I, one. I, it's like it's it's like it's after one over there, right? Right now it's two o'clock. Two eighteen. It's two eighteen in the tone. Yeah. Oh, see, yeah, my bad. See, I, I thought it was one hour difference. Yeah, you good. Yeah, well, I appreciate you making it happen anyway. Much, much love, bro. Nah, you, you good. Well, you then, good. Uh, you disappeared on us. Yeah, I don't know why I keep doing that. You see me now, though. Yeah. Now you good? All right. Well, we can jump right in, man. I appreciate you guys uh, taking time to hop on and talk and talk about life and talk about hoops and 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 some, some influences in your life, you know, coaches or whatever. You know, usually uh, we have coaches on here talking about, you know, the impact of relationships that they can have on, on kids and or, or the players and the other people they work with. Uh, but in this case, you know, I like to also get some players on and get their perspective, you know, how some people have, have affected some positive changes in their life and, and, and talk about their journey and whatnot. So I appreciate y'all. Yep. No doubt. So I know I know me and Chris been talking a little bit, but but uh, we can kind of do it officially. How you guys been holding up? What y'all been doing to, you know, keep yourselves busy, stay sane during all these uh, crazy times? For me, um, in the Philippines, we're on we're on strict lockdown out there, and um, I think it was it was around like 80, 85 days where we we had to be in the house, 
You can only leave once once a week for groceries. Um, so I was just trying to find a way to, to stay in shape any way I could. Uh, they let us, I live in like a little gated community, so they were letting us run a little bit outside. So I started doing like distance running and ordered a pair of dumbbells and a, and a, and a kettlebell. Got into yoga a little bit. So I was just trying to switch up my, my routine a little bit from what I was used to. And it was cool, but just being stuck in the house like that is it, it, taxing. So you got to try to stay mentally strong more than anything. Yep. What about you, Ben? But, man, shoot, I, it's been all it's been all hands on deck as far as just uh, with the family. You know, I got family that's in Dallas and in San Antonio, so I've been I kind of just been in and out, just making sure things is okay on that side of. On the, on the home front, but like Chris saying, just trying to trying to just stay with the uh, keep up with the diet and, and, and the workout regimen. I've I've uh, I've been running outside a couple miles here and there. I found a couple hills to get a tattoo. Uh, it's kind of been a it's kind of been a blessing to Scott. I think I talked to Chris. He shared it with me. The the body's kind of been able to rest a little bit. It's been more of a rest period. You know, you can't you can't really train as hard or as as rigorous as you normally would. But so it's kind of been a balance of, of both worlds, uh, rest and then trying to just actually like keep up and keep at it a little bit. So yeah, and for for guys like you guys that uh, you know, coaches too, but but you guys you know, traveling the world playing ball, you are pretty busy. You know, it gives you time to kind of slow down and hang out with with your loved ones, for sure. It's tough. It was tough for me because I'm I'm on the other side of the world and all my my immediate family is in the other are in Texas, right? In, in the states. So, uh, like I, me and Ben had talked about, it was good to get you know get your body a rest and kind of stay away from basketball and and recover. Because with us, we play we play damn near 11, 12 months out of the year. We're playing all year round. So, but. With the family thing, it was tough for me because not knowing the situation they were in, being on the other side of the world, just trying to talk to them as much as I could on FaceTime. Um, it was hard, but uh, we got through it. Let's talk about your childhood. You know, I know you guys, but not everybody does, right? So where'd you grow up? Um, what was it like? And what kind of influences did you have early in your life, in your childhood uh, part of your life, you know, coming up? Uh, for me, um, my dad's a military guy, so I, I grew up on Lackland Air Force Base. I was born on Lackland Air Force Base. Grew up there, was the youngest of, of three kids, so I always had those the elder influences on me. My brother, six years older than I am. My sister's three years older than I am, and they were always in sports. My dad, my dad played as, in as many uh, base leagues that he could, and I was always at the, at the gym with him. Two, three years old, on the side, trying to shoot out, shoot, try to shoot on a ten foot goal. Whether they be on the baseball field, I'm out there in the baseball field, football field. Like I was just always around sports growing up on base. You know how it is on base; they have their own. It's like own their own little community. They have all the all types of uh, youth youth sports and stuff like that. So I was always around sports growing up, and it was just something that. Man, like I don't, I never remember watching cartoons as a, as a young boy. I just always remember being around sports and and uh, falling in love with it. So 
like I, my, my dad and my brother and my, and also my sister were also were like they were they were great people for me to look up to because they they had their head on straight they were always in in the athletics and staying away from trouble on base you can't really get in trouble so we stayed away from that and uh and still to this day those are, those are people i still look up to whether it be not not more so sports but just in life general so uh they, they've been great for me as as the youngest i've had i've had those people to look up to that kind of made my life as easy as i could man for me um I was born in Houston, and uh, I started playing sports when I when I got to San Antonio. I moved to San Antonio at age nine, eight or nine, uh, second or third grade. And uh, when I was in Houston, I took a liking to just always watching the Rockets play. And they had a fellow Nigerian cat on the team, you know, Hakeem the Dream. He's he's a legend now, so he sparked my interest to pick up a ball. And um, you know, my parents did as best as they could to try to support that, that you know, early bud and dream or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, they bought me like a Hakeem jersey and, you know, like a Fisher Price that I think everybody starts it with when they're, you know, young. So uh, coming to San Antonio, I just brought that love from Houston on over. Uh, and then um, obviously just my parents being influences in my life, my sister, I got an older sister that's a great influence uh, as well. Um, we just kind of just started getting acclimated in the San Antonio community. I had a really good childhood friend who who literally would pick me up because uh, my parents, had, they were working and he, I, they, couldn't pick, they couldn't pick me up from school. They couldn't pick us up from like practices and stuff. So. I had a, I had a, he's like a god brother. His name Eddie Hawkins. His family, the Hawkins family, was a great family. Uh, early on, like that third through like eighth grade, um, I just you know started growing and the love of the game started growing. He would pick pick me up and we would go. Uh, we started playing on on the YMCA around town and we started every every year we were playing the East Side Y at the Davis Scott. So I grew up playing and honing my skills. On the east side, although I live on the northwest side, and uh, at that time, you know, you know, the east side was getting more as far as like more credible as far as like you know, you, you got it. It's tougher guys, it's, you know. And I didn't know at that age. I just was like, shoot, wherever we go play, I want to go play. But um, it's it's dope to see things come full circle in the sense of like uh, how things is like you know how it started to like how it grew and then. The, different people that had their hand in, in helping you get to where you you, you wanted to get. So uh, that, that's kind of like my story. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of times we'll talk about a coach's journey, you know, uh, how'd you get into the profession, you know, and moving around, working the way up to become head coaches or whatever the place they're at. But, but you guys are still playing and, and hooping, you know, talk a little bit about your journey as far as, you know, college, high school, you know, professional teams you played for and kind of uh, up to where you're at now. Go ahead, Luz. Um, Man, um, I go to – I started in high school. Started in high school. Uh, I was a freshman in high school at Warren. I was on the freshman team. Um, I was, man, so I was about 5'3 as a freshman <laughs> when I entered. Yeah. No lie. I was, I was little, man, and I, I, I was really like – the weird looking kid that everybody was probably like, 
point at like either making fun of to say like, man, either his shoes are too big or his arms are too long. Yeah. And I hadn't grew yet. And I just, it was only a matter of time. I felt like I looked normal to everybody, but I don't <laughs> think it was the case on the outside looking in. So, man, sophomore year, I get like five, seven-ish, five, eight. I have a death in my family. Uh, my, my mom's dad died and I'm on varsity. And she's like, we've taken you and your sister out of school and we got to go, we got to go pay homage and respect to grandpa, to grandpa. So like, this is like second half of district. Hmm. I'm five, seven. We do the, we do the burial service. We were a month away out of school. I come back and I'm like, no, no BS. I'm like six feet. And, uh, that was like my biggest growth spurt. And then, you know, high school was just a great, a great uh, experience. Junior year, senior year was magical. I uh, was fortunate enough to play well to get, like, obviously looks and stuff. Um, I played uh, I played well enough in a tournament against uh, DJ Augustine in high school. Ross, you remember playing in the Rotary? Yeah. So we had the San Antonio Rotary where Houston teams, Maryland teams, Dallas teams would come and play. And uh, that was like a big target for, you know, anybody who was in the city that wanted to make noise, you know. And uh, I had that tournament scheduled and had a really good game against DJ Augustine's team. We ended up winning. And I remember my my schools going from maybe like two to three like Southland conference schools to like literally like five to six uh, mid mid to high major D1 schools at just right after that tournament and one of the schools was Tulsa one of the first schools was Tulsa I'll never forget they called me right after the tournament on a Monday we finished playing on a Saturday they called me on a Monday and it just from then on I just had like a great momentum. Uh, I would end up being like a rising senior, but I kept my, um, I wanted to keep my, my loyalty to Tulsa because they were one of the first schools to get on me. And they were obviously one of the teams that was going to let me play the point guard position. Uh, Ross, as you know, like you could, you could get away with playing multiple positions in the tone because, yeah. you know, we don't have crazy guys. We don't have crazy length. Uh, but if you're 6'3", you could potentially be like, you know, exactly, one through five. So that's what I was at for my school. But I knew I needed to, like, be more uh, specific, position-specific, like, when I wanted to uh, go to college or even beyond that. So I started working on my game at Tulsa and ended up being a great fit from the, from the get-out. Uh, and I won't, I won't be long-winded, but Tulsa, we, we were really good as far as the, doing it the right way. Uh, from nutrition to working out, and we had a great, uh, great vision as far as the what the coaches imp- implemented in the, uh, our 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 team. And we had, you know, had guys that we recruited, uh, and then we just won. And so helping helping us win, and me me being at the right position and uh, doing certain things, a little dynamic as far as like uh, from the from the point guard spot in college, I was then able to kind of like garnered attention to to be able to play overseas and if and then even have a chance to play in the nba and uh i look back on that opportunity just how it came to fruition like 
I never worked so hard in, in all of my life just having to, like, after, after I graduated to now be in a pre-draft process, just having to, like, just lock in, just eat right, ain't had no money. So I was just like, all right, how I got to, I got to make this work. It's like, um, trying to get places and, you know, traveling and, and trying to meet certain workouts. But um, I ended up playing two years in the league, my first two years out. Uh, with with a couple stints in the G League, like my third year, I played in the G League. Fourth year, I played in the G League. Uh, hey, was, my, you're a little older. It was the D League back then, bro. Yeah, so it was it was a, it was the D it, it was the D League back then, man. And uh, they they've since got a great sponsorship in, in Gatorade. So now they the G now, but uh, those were those were like those were those four years, those first four years of my career were great four years as far as just uh, helping me understand how to be a pro, how to work, um, how to like understand uh, on and off the course, just life situations, you know. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway I think is that you still learning as a man, even though you probably like are on the outside looking at being looked at as like you've got a lot of life figured out you know what I mean and yeah. I think just as far as just the way I had to like maneuver towards handling family and tweaking things as far as friendships and understanding where uh like how much more tighter my circle had to be and smarter my circle had to be right and I think Chris could take a, a test to this as well is that's something that you kind of continue to tweak as you uh as you go through the ranks as far as like where you go where you play and things like that and and uh i've been i've been in certain different places since then uh since playing in the states i played in mexico i played in france i played in belgium i played in dominican republic and uh and obviously more here recently with my national team that is awesome i think he'll come back in yeah He, he's a little older, but he's still not as old as us, Chris. Yeah. Hey, he, he, he's, he's getting close, though. Yeah. He's knocking on the door. <laughs> so, I mean, he was 5'3", as a freshman, you said? Yeah, I, I remember I remember being at J, and Ben used to come to our open gyms. And when I tell you he was little, just little, just but all arms and, all arms and legs, just <laughs> – Tiny, couldn't even get on the court. Yeah. Like at Jay, we got the big gym and the small gym. He would he was going in in the small gym. Yeah, little dude, like, he, but you can tell he had the skill set. Yeah, but he was just so small. And then I remember the next. I think the next the next maybe two months we saw him. He was already like six feet, like, and just crazy coming into his own, coming into his own. So what he's now he's about six four, six five. Ben's about. This about six four, six three, six four, but long, long seven long. foot links, man. Yes. Yeah. When he guards you, he's a problem just because he's yeah. got long arms and he can move. He's elite defensively. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about my journey. Um, uh, so Ben was talking about going to the to the east side to the David Scott. We I did that as well. I mean, a lot of us. From our side of town, we we went on that side of town and, and played with guys like Eric Dawson and yep. Ivan Johnson, guys like that. 
it, it was just a, it, it, they, we always had tournaments with guys from like Dallas come in, Houston come in, and and we held our own, and that's how we kind of made a name for ourselves. I, I made a name for myself in the city, and then coming into high school, I was like I told you before, I was I was always around basketball, football, baseball. Tried to run track in middle school, but uh, one of my I stopped running track because I grew. I, I grew my seventh grade year. My seventh grade year, I was about five two, five three, mm-hmm. and then uh, coming back into school, that my eighth grade year, I was about five eleven. Mm-hmm. So I had like a six seven inch uh, growth spurt that summer, and uh, it cut my it cut my my tracks my track season short because I grew and then I got this. Oscar Slaughter's in my knee, and they were, they pretty much told me, like, you, you need to stop running right now. You need to let your bones grow. You're growing too fast. So uh, I went from being one of the smallest PGs in our district to being one of the bigger ones. Mm-hmm. And then uh, coming into high school, I was uh, – it was, it, was, it was weird because you, know you know how we have such pride at – going to John Jay, like people from my side, uh, O'Connor was just open up, opening up. And I was like, man, I don't know where y'all heard I was going to O'Connor, but I'm, I'm a Jay, I'm Jay blood through and through. So I'm coming to Jay. So freshman year, I play fresh. I play, uh, I'm a football, I played football. So, uh, had a good football season. Basketball season came. Everyone kind of knew that I, I wasn't going to play freshman, uh, basketball. I think I played one game on the freshman team, and uh, my coach moved me up to JV. Yeah. But you know how Jay is. Like, we're stacked on varsity. We were stacked at, I think that was, like, 2000 through around the 2000 era where we were just stacked. We were going to state. So it was it was tough to get on that varsity team. I didn't, I didn't start getting minutes on varsity until my junior year. I played, I played JV my freshman and sophomore year. I, I was on varsity my sophomore year. But I just I was just there to get the experience. I didn't get any any minutes. Yeah. I was always playing on JV. I had a varsity jersey playing on JV. That's how we that's how we worked it back then. You were that guy. Yeah, yeah I was that guy. So uh, my sophomore year uh, was on JV again, but football was on varsity. Uh, we my football the varsity football team my freshman year went zero and ten. And they were thinking about moving. We had we had three really good freshmen, and they were thinking about moving us up to to varsity to play the last three or four games. And then they nixed that because they were like, "Man, there's no point. We're owing we're owing eight right now. There's no point to move y'all up. We'll just wait for next year." So the sophomore year, I get moved to varsity. I'm starting quarterback, starting corner. I started at quarterback and corner my sophomore year. Uh, we uh, we actually were we were doing well. We went from zero and ten. What up, Wood? Welcome we back. Zero and ten my freshman year. Yeah. To, to uh, we were we were six and two my sophomore year, and then I broke my collarbone. Mm. And we lost we lost the remaining games. Uh, had a good sophomore sophomore. AU campaign. We I played with Gada. I'm not. I think Gada's still running. Might be still running right now. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Played with Gada. We had a good sophomore campaign. Uh, then my junior year, 
Uh, I get moved up. I'm on varsity, getting heavy minutes. And, and this was the team that we thought like, we knew that we, we could make noise uh, running for state. And we, we had all the tools. We, we, weren't, we weren't very deep. We went like six, seven deep, seven. At times we could go eight deep, but really coach wanted to play six, seven guys. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, the thing that people don't know about that team, like we were, we were, uh, we were the, you know, when you get to state, they rank you by your record. So if you have oh, yeah. 35 and one, you're the one seed, you're 27 and eight, you're the four seed. Yeah. In between and we were going into state we were 20 25 and eight or something but we had so many losses because our team was never full like pat pat was transferring back pat fields was transferring back in from taft so he was ineligible for some of the time mm-hmm. our chris b was our center and he had towards meniscus and he was out for some games and i i came ineligible so i was out for some games so we were like when we had our full team i think we lost maybe I think we lost two times the whole season we had our full team. So uh, going into the state tournament our junior year, uh, we were matched up with uh, Hightower. And they were – Hightower was stacked coming in. They were like – Oh, you got a Hightower story. I, I didn't, I didn't – Fort Bend Hightower out of Houston. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's where D.J. They had Ume. Was. You played with Ume on the national team, right? Yeah. Ume was over fun. there. They had – bro, they had like – they might have had five, six high-level D1 guys. Like, just, you know, Ooh, you've been to State, so at State, they give you court time. Both both teams are on the court at the same time. They, they were just out Man, they was out there, like, looking like an NBA squad. Like, 6'10". <laughs> they had a 6'11", 300-pound dude. They had 6'9", 6'8". But uh, they, had, they had, like, five, six high-level D1 guys. And, and, and we were confident, like our team was confident because we knew we could, we could just coming up playing in the Davis Scott, like teams from Houston coming in all the time, team from Dallas coming in all the time. We knew we could play with these teams. Uh, man, we got out the gates on them quick. They were trying to press us and me and Pat were just dribbling through the press. I was cutting up the press, diamond, and we got up like, I think they were, I, I think Hightower was 30, 33 and two that year. And we got up 18 on them. We were, we were blowing them out, blowing them out the water. And I, they made it. They made it. Uh, they made it close. I think we ended up winning by 11. But like that game was That game was not close at all. Like we blew them out the water. Yeah. And they, they, they had no clue because we were like we we're this team that no one really paid attention to. 25 and eight coming into the state tournament. They were. They were. High, they're on their high horse, thinking that they were gonna blow us out the water. We blew them dudes out. Uh, going into the state game, we played Dallas Kimball, and Dallas Kimball and Jay has a. We have a history. Every time we've been to state, Dallas Kimball pretty much knocks us out. So y'all have Either, a prior history before the, the famous. We had a prior history. Yeah, like yeah. I think in I think in ninety ninety five, we beat never- Jay with Sasser. They drill Sasser, and then I think again in. 2000 or 99, Kimball beat Jay So they had beat, they had knocked us out two of the three, two of the three times that we had been to state, and we 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 match up with them in the, in the state final, and uh, they had AC Law. AC Law was their guy. Uh, I think he was a lottery pick with the Hawks. Yep. Um, and 
Uh, I know, I know. I think you covered this. I watched one of your one of your coaches' corner where where you covered our our state championship, and yeah. uh, we were down two. I got the rebound, but dribbled through, made the half court shot, and uh, it it was my it was my only bucket of the tournament. But I was like, I was sick. Like the whole tournament, I was at halftime. I was taking off my body was overheating. I was I was yeah. under the weather, feeling sick. Uh, I, I just remember like being at, at halftime of the state game, just falling on the floor, taking off my jersey, taking off my shorts, just exhausted. Yeah. And like I had no clue, like, like it was it was we were a team of destiny because uh, Steve Goff, he was one of our better players. Man, he balled that. He, he was he was a. Steve was he was a problem that night. Well, and, and that tip that tipping he made before the shot. The left, With the left hand, that was tough. Steve, I think Steve in the in the semifinal game had twenty seven, and then in the final game had twenty five. And Steve was Steve is all y'all seen Steve. Steve is all a six seven one seventy. Yeah, even do been built like that since whenever one seventy. And uh, so Steve's grandmother had passed away right before the tournament, and Steve wasn't. Steve didn't join any of our practices heading up to the state tournament. And he was in, I think his grandma was in Alabama or one of those southern states. And Steve met us in Austin. Mm. So, so we were saying that we're a team of destiny because I was sick that tournament. And I don't know how I got the ball to double clutch it and get it to the rim from half court. Like, it still, it, it, still blows, it still blows my mind to this day. Like, it, it just kind of all came together. It, everything just came together like we were a team of destiny. Like, like, like I said, we were never together. Our team was never together the whole, the whole time, and then everything just kind of came together, and, and it was a thing of beauty. But that, so that was junior year. I had a really good, uh, I had a really good football season too. I made all city football and basketball. I made all city. Uh, I made all district. I made all state basketball. And then I, my junior year summer, I played for Texas Blue Chips, Adidas team sponsored out of Dallas. And I had a, I had a good summer with them, and was getting some was getting some some looks. Uh, but the thing that the thing that where I messed up at was I stopped playing with them, and I I, I stopped playing with them, and I went to this this camp, uh, a camp. My, my junior summer in LA, and I spent the whole summer in LA with college guys, some pro guys. What kind of camp was it? Football or basketball? It was a basketball camp. Okay. It was with like some of the guys from the East Side, uh, Jock, uh, my guy Jock, my guy Buck, uh, yeah. Smitty was there. Smitty was kind of the overseer of it. He kind of I, kept the distance because you know how it is with agents and and amateurs. But Smitty was Smitty was around. And uh, so they took me out to LA, and I, I spent LA. I spent my summer in LA, and uh, it it was I was kind of torn because it was like, do I want to do this summer camp in LA with these guys that are where I want to be at, or do I want to play with the Blue Chips? And I was I was just getting an invite to the ABCD camp. Mm-hmm. It was like it was like, man, what do you want to do? You want to go to this ABCD camp? You want to play on this Adidas circuit, or do you want to go to this camp and be around? These guys that are already there, some guys that are already working, like there's there's some pros there. So I chose the LA thing, and then uh, so I kind of fell off the the recruiting radar a little bit because I just stopped playing on 
on the Adidas circuit. And then coming into my senior year, football's first. Um, uh, I had a real good uh, senior year, football. I had like, I had maybe around 10 D1 offers for football. Oh. And, uh, and basketball was, was slow. I had, a, I had a Southland, like Lou said. Uh, I had A&M Corpus back when they were independent. Mm-hmm. And uh, but those football, those D one football, all the facilities were looking amazing. When I went, on, I went on five visits. They were looking amazing, and, and it, it was just it was bad timing because none of them wanted to wait until my basketball season. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to sign right after football season. I was like, man, I just the way my basketball season I just had my junior year. Uh, I have I can't just sell myself short. So I want to play the senior year out. None of them wanted to wait. Right. So played out my senior year basketball. And then uh, at the end of the, at the end of my senior year, all I had was A&M Corpus and St. Mary's in San Antonio. And so I went the Juco route. And uh, my first year Juco was at Panola in East Texas. And I led the nation in, in assists. I averaged 15 and, I averaged 15 and 13 my uh, my freshman year, uh, so I that had some D ones coming at me, uh, and the coach knew that I was I was a qualifier coming out of high school, so I only had to stay one year at JUCO, um, and I had I I think the biggest school I had at the time coming out was uh, St. Mary's California, and this was when the time when. Uh, Adam Morrison was at Gonzaga, and they were they were rivals. So they wanted me to come in and be a part of that rival. And the coach loved me, man. Like the coach fell in love with me, watched me play, fell in love with me. But I I went on a visit out there, and I just I didn't see myself. Like the facilities were old. Like for me, thinking like a D, like me going to these football facilities, all deep big D ones, yeah. and then seeing this St. Mary's facilities, I was like, man, this is too this too big of a difference. I was like, man, I. I feel like I can get somewhere higher. So I went back to JUCO. I transferred JUCOs. I went to McLennan in Waco my second year. And uh, I had uh, University of Houston came on me. Uh, Marshall came on me. And St. Mary's was there as well. Uh, I was going to commit to Houston because my brother was going to school out there. But right when I was about to commit, the coach got fired. So that happened. And then uh, I ended up I ended up signing that Marshall, and Marshall was great. Who's who's left this out of his story? My senior year, his freshman year, we're in the same conference. <laughs> we went head to head, and I and I think we we went we split, but it it was a good it, it was it was some good battles. He left that off, but I, I won't leave it off. Y'all had to guard each other. Yeah, we we guarded each other. He, he was playing the PG. I was playing the PG. But I was a senior. He was a freshman. But I was going to something for his own already. So It was the uh, – it's funny because as soon as he went and as soon as I signed in college, I'm like, you know we're going to pull up on you. <laughs> it's, it's crazy because I, I tell this story in the, when, my, when my Tulsa buddies, even to this day, we're at Marshall playing the first time of the two matchups, right? And Ross – we're having our walkthrough in the morning. And Ross probably just got out of his class. And he normally, like, he has a – he 
normally has like this trail, you know, I, I guess this routine where he walks to the gym at a certain time. Well, he ended up was walking through our shoot around, our walkthrough. And our coach stopped everything on a dime and brought, brought it in and kind of, kind of lean mugged him the whole way out until he left the gym. And Ross didn't, he didn't, he didn't pick up his pace. He didn't, he didn't have no sense of urgency. I don't know what kind of class he's getting out of, but it looked like he was trying to show us up, right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he disrupted our walkthrough in preparation for them. And I get it. You know, everybody had a long night or whatever. The case. But dang, he, the pace was like, I'm on a Sunday stroll <laughs> and I'm not, I'm, I'm unbothered. Like, I, I ain't worried about nothing. And so I remember our coach just, our coach, it was like bulletin board material. You know, like, I'm sure you got bulletin board material that you get your guys, right, Marcus? Oh, yeah. You are fired up. So, like, that was like bulletin board material. So, every time we played Marshall for the rest of the year, it was just like, <laughs> can you believe that guy? <laughs> yeah. That was just my route, though. Like, I, I, li I literally live right across the street from the gym. So, that was the – and it's in Marshall, it's cold. And, and what is that? What is that, November? It's cold, snowing, everything. Like, I'm trying to stay indoors. I'm walking through the gym to get back to my crib. I'm not speeding up for no one. That was my routine. <laughs> I I think we played y'all in January, but I remember just getting out there. That was, it just was one of the coldest places I had ever played. Even at that time, I was my first year of getting exposure to snow as a freshman. Yeah. First time seeing snow in Tulsa, but. We had to fly in. The, did we fly in the Wheeling? We had to fly in somewhere. Then probably flew into Charleston and then. And Charleston. Man, so I can, I know, I know what you mean. But man, you you ruined our shoot around though. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. After Marshall, what happened after that, Chris? What'd you end up? After Marshall, uh, so my senior year, you always knows how important it is for your coaches to have connections and at the next level. So my senior year, right after the turn, we lose in we lose in a conference tournament. Next day he gets fired. We we're, our conference tournament is in Memphis, and uh, the next day we fly out back to back to uh, West Virginia, and he gets fired. After that, didn't hear from him. Like this is March. We still got March, April, May, three more months of school. We didn't hear from him. I didn't hear from him. We're just at school, like, and it's my senior year. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see what, if I can get any, any type of workouts, any type of anything. Dude falls off the face of the planet. Like, didn't hear from, didn't hear from any of the coaches. I was just kind of stuck out. Like, didn't know what was going on. It's great. Uh, Luckily, I had I had had some buddies that were playing overseas at the time, uh, and then one of my teammates he he went on one of those you know those athletes and athletes in action. Hmm. It's like a uh, it's like a Ben. How can I uh, describe athletes in action? Is athletes in action? Is it like a um, like a tour? Yeah, it's like a tour, but it's like a it's like a. Uh, 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 like some type of it has some type of it's like a Christian thing. It's like a Christian thing. Like Christian athletes get together and they tour. So one of my teammates had went on it, and um, he they came to the Philippines, mm -hmm. and he met one of my one of my close friends now, 
And 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 he was like, bro, they when he came back and told me, man, they loved this dude when they were out in the Philippines. He had some Filipino blood in him. They loved him. He was like, man, you should get in contact with him and see like see about the league out there. So this was back when Facebook was just getting this is how old this is. This is back when Facebook was just getting popped. Like right. Facebook was just getting started up. You had to have a college email to get on Facebook. Yeah. So uh, I hit him up, and then he's like, yeah, bro, I'm going to – I played on the national team. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start my career out in the Philippines. And I was like, all right. He was like, I'll, I'll give you some contacts you need. I got in contact with some people, but I had an offer in Finland. I had an offer in Finland, and then I had an offer uh, in the Philippines. Just made my options. And uh, the, Philippine, the Philippine offer looked better because everything's guaranteed. Like, with our contracts out here, especially – trying to play as a local, getting your passport. As soon as you sign a contract, everything's guaranteed. Other than like if you go to Finland, the uh, import, and you have a couple bad games at the least you. And I found that out of the Philippines, uh, it was a no-brainer for me. Yeah. I, I signed up. Uh, actually, actually, one of the teams, the teams in my league was training in San Antonio that year. And they were training at the first facility. And I had knew some guys that worked in the Spurs facility that they wanted to get some guys together to play five on five against this team. Yeah. So we played at Antioch. We're at Antioch playing against one of the teams, and then I'm telling I'm telling some of the players like, "Yo, I'm Filipino too. I'm trying to play out there." They had they're like, "Nah, you ain't Filipino. You ain't Filipino." Blah blah. blah. <laughs> so I start talking to the coach and the and the manager of the team, and he was like, "All right, if you're Filipino, bring your mom to to the game tomorrow." I think we played them for the weekend. They, they, the, my mom calling them. They're talking to, in Tagalog in their language, and so they get my information, more information, and uh, they kind of help me come out the next year. Because out here, you have to go through a draft. Like you don't just get. It's not like direct hire. You have if you're uh, if you have blood and you got a passport, you have to go through a draft. And to play in the big league, you have to start in the. It's like a semi-pro league. Mm-hmm. So I had to go in through the semi-pro draft, play a year in that to get to the big league. So now, fast forward ten years, I've been out here. Uh, actually had a actually had a chance, like after my first contract, to come back and play in the D league with one of my assistant coaches at Marshall. He was a head coach with uh, the '66s. I think Ooze knows him. Well, I think Ooze Ooze had met him. Uh, he played with the Sixers. He was like, hey, Chris, if you want to come give the G League a try, uh, the D League a try, I have a spot for you. But there was, there was for me, it was no point. Like, try to trace, chase the, the D League thing and, and make, what, $20,000 in a season when I was already established in my league and my contract was nice. And I, I just felt like I was going to take a few steps backwards to, to go here try this out for 20000 in a whole season and then try to get back to where I was at. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm 10 years, going on 11. I'm 11 years now, and it, it's been great for me, man. Like I said, it, it, they, they treat me well. Basketball is everything in the Philippines. Like, in most, in most countries, it's, it's soccer, right? Yeah. 
most countries overseas is soccer, but in, in the Philippines, it's all basketball. Man, you can see in a flood and, and rain, they're, they're outside playing basketball and slippers, barefoot. Like, basketball is everything. Other than, other than the two, maybe one day a year that Pacquiao fights, that Pacquiao has his fight, yeah. it's basketball. But when Pacquiao fighting, it's, it's a, it's, the country shuts down. Everybody's indoors watching. Say that again. That's a big deal out there. I would imagine when a, when a Pacquiao fight. Huge, going huge. When I when I tell you we have the worst traffic in the world, the Philippines has the worst traffic in the world. But when Pacquiao's fighting, everyone's indoors. Yeah. They they show it in they show it in movie theaters. Uh, people just have like parties at their house, like and it's imagine we're. Uh, we're a twelve-hour difference, so he's fighting at nine at night in the in the states. It's on at nine in the morning. Yeah. People out ready drinking beer seven in the morning. Like it's a it's an event. It's an event, man. I tell you, it's an event. It's an event. Hey, uh, Ben, you, know, you played yeah. you played in the Olympics, right? You know, yes, and, sir. And uh, your team, you guys working your way back to the next Olympics. Uh, just talk a little bit about that experience. That's pretty amazing. I think it's a, that's big time, brother. Um, talk about your first experience and then moving into this next chapter. Man, so for me personally, I um, I was trying to get – I missed my first opportunity in 2012. Uh, I had a good opportunity to probably make that Olympic team. But I was trying to – I was in – man, I ain't going to – I was trying to fight to be like a, a – a contract year. I was contract year in the NBA. I was trying to get on with the Raptors again that following season. And so I just – I had to put myself first before the Olympics. And, man, I missed a good opportunity to be a 2012. I told myself thereafter that I was going to join and be, be more committed uh, to the national team and then obviously try to just just see how that would go because – I didn't know what to expect. I didn't. I didn't know a lot of the guys on the team, and obviously from from then to now, it's been a it's been probably things that I take pride in. <clears throat> but uh, in 2015, we had an Afro Basket Championship, which we had to. If you went out right, you punch your ticket automatically to the Olympics. And I remember. Uh, I remember. Um, us just getting together in training camp. We had a coach named Will Voigt. I think, Ross, you know Will a little bit. Yeah. Um, good dude. He's an American coach. But we just tried to buy into a lot of philosophies and, on defense and, 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 uh, and offense. And the way the roster was set up, we were arguably probably one of the top defensive teams in the world, let alone Africa. Um, and we just had a great – great opportunity to just really make history as far as winning our first uh, Afro Basket Championship. A little history on Africa. The teams that are normally fighting to win or that, are, that, that control Africa year in, year out is a, is a country named Angola. And we had to take the throne from Angola, but there, there was also other countries that were, that were really good. And uh, I shed light. Tunisia, they got couple high-level pros, and then they have also a, a guy who's played in the NBA, uh, Salah Mezri. I think he's he's a guy that uh, really controlled their team, and they were on they were in our same side pool, and uh, we actually lost to them in our pool play, 
but we they took what the top two or top two out of the, each pool on both sides, and uh, they put them on the other side. But Senegal was another team is another team in Africa that's that's actually really good. They they have high level pros as well as a, a guy named Gorgi Dane who plays in the NBA, and uh, we had to go through them. So 2015, to, to, to punch the ticket outright was no slouch. You got you got the the, the people who, who run all over through Africa, Angola, and you got Senegal, who's a force to be reckoned with, with Gorgi Ding, and then you also have Tunisia, which is a force to be reckoned with, with Salah Mejri and their, their role guys, essentially. And we had pieced together a lot of, our troops, we got Ike Duago, who I'm here with right now. Shout out to Big Ike. Uh, we got Chief um, Alfaruk Aminu, his brother Alade Aminu. Uh, we had a a guy who recently retired, but, man, he's no slouch. He's a guy that deserves a lot of praise. Shane, Shane Lawal, he was at the forefront uh, as far as uh, on the front line for us. But we got – we the list goes on and on, man, but – we, we really just took care of business. There was our redemption year, which we, we themed it in 2015. And and then we, we get to we get to the Olympics in 2016 and we were able to be um, to able to push more of Nigeria basketball in the world, really. It's just being respected, more respected. So it's uh, something that I, I truly take great pride in. And any word on, on Tokyo? So Tokyo, man, that's a good question. Um, so obviously we um, we played in the World Games last year, and we had to we had to now. I think we had to beat China. We had to beat China to punch our tickets to the Olympics that was supposed to be this summer, and we beat China in China, which was no joke. It was no not an easy task, but it was one that we rallied around. And we were able to get it done, man. And uh, to be to be able to be a potential two-time, and Ike will be a potential three-time Olympian, man. It's it's something that, man, it's a great feat that even I probably never dreamt about. I think when you're younger, you always dream about the NBA, but I don't think you understand what being an Olympian truly means, and and, uh, and just to even have that, just to you know, be even. Had that in, uh, in the conversation is just something that I don't think you you can sneeze at. But um, this summer, unfortunately, is postponed. But definitely looking forward to next summer. And that feeling, you know, that feeling, you know, when, when you walk out as a team and all the teams are out, you walk out in that big stadium. I mean, what does that feel like? Man, so I think you referring to the walkthrough, right? Yep. Is is something that man they opening yeah the opening ceremonies yeah it's a uh, I still remember in 2016, we we got bust down a little bit, you know, just everybody just taking pictures. Everybody had their their camera phones out and things like that. And you try to savor that moment as best you can. So you walk out to your to your national anthem, and you got another country in front of you, another country in behind you, and when they call your name, it's just – and that you on a you on a platform for the world to see, and, and that I just, I mean, you see it on TV, but when you're actually like living it, and then you got people texting you, yo, y'all see you, and it's like, yo, it's it's just a it holds a different weight. It was, yeah. it was surreal. It was surreal. 
let's talk a little bit real quick about any coaches you've had in your life that have made some positive impacts, even if it's not just basketball, just, just as a man in general. Um, I think uh, well, I, there's a guy that there's a guy that Hoop has known in San Antonio that is very influential, but he's not on the scene, man. He's a low key. Uh, doesn't have any social media, you know, with this wave of uh, being able to, like, capitalize off the business grind of training and AAU teams and things of that nature. And, uh, and, uh, and, and the city, he's a guy that he was just ahead of his time, and his name is Walter Kramer. Mm-hmm. He was he probably, he probably the most influential person out of the city that uh, – that helped me and that that molded me in, in, into a, a a guy that um that you know who I am now. He he trained with Antonio Daniels, and so when I first got, I heard and I just tried, uh, you know, keep my ear as far as open as far as like who was training with who and things like that. Just like we all do, as far as like who comes before you and, and things of that nature. So. I just try. I was able to get in on some of his workouts early with AD and AD, the big brother to this day. Absolutely. But uh, I started training with them in eighth grade. Coach Kramer, AD at the Spurs facility. And uh, Ross, you remember Home Court America? Yeah. yeah. So Home Court America was a spot that AD would literally like have rented out like the first first thing in the morning, Monday through Friday. And uh, we would uh like eight. Probably six in the morning. Oh, BS. Ad, he's a he's a freak. He would get up at six in the morning. And I was like in eighth grade, ninth grade, getting up at six seven in the morning. And uh, I would I had a couple of cases where we would work out, and I would pick Kramer's brain, pick Ad's brain, and just kind of just go from there. But he he would teach me about faith, you know, teach me about scriptures and things like that as well. So he was he was a well versed, well rounded guy that. Um, very influential, probably the my, my most influential person, uh, you know, as far as coaches is concerned. Yeah, AD, AD, Coach Kramer's a great guy. You know, AD's a great guy. And you know, both both good men, you know, good people to have in their corner, you know, especially coming up. What about you, Chris? For me, it's a little different because I'm a little older. So back then it was like, we just hooped. We just played ball and had fun with it, right? There was no skills trainers. For me, like, we, we kind of just – you're kind of a product product of your own environment, right? So most of the guys that were at Jay before me were I – mean, a couple of them went to school, but it, it wasn't – they didn't really go. We had a lot of talent, but back then – Big time schools weren't really coming down to San Antonio, right? Like as far as they were stopping Houston and Dallas. So uh, I, I would think like when I was uh, when I was in high school, Coach Hines, Coach Hines was he wasn't as connected, but he 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 was knowledgeable in the fact of you have to do certain things if you want to get to certain places, and then. Uh, I would say that that junior year summer when when I was around when I was around Jock and when I was around Black Buck and Smitty and those guys, uh, that was really the first time I was able to when they when they finally taught me like 
hey, if you really want to get to somewhere, this is what you got to do. And this is how hard you got to work. So I, I caught it late. Ben's a little younger than me. Ben caught it early than I did. But uh, like I said, back then it was kind of you just hoop to hoop, man. You, you just hoop to have fun. And if you're good enough to play in college, then maybe someone will find you. And, right. Uh, that's yeah, how I, mean, I think the direction as far as, like, the guidance that – that um, if you're able to get it early on and have the right people in your corner, I think it's very, it's very just tire panoramic view, right? San Antonio of, compared to like a Houston, Dallas, the culture is probably night and day. I think it's more so we're getting respect now as far as like doing it the right way, actually building a, a basketball culture. But, you know, coming, coming from San Antonio, it's like you don't think basketball first. You just don't. So – to, to, to what Chris is saying is that training over just playing and just, all right, cardio and staying in shape is, it was just, it wasn't at the forefront as it is now. Everybody wants to train. Everybody wants to, uh, they understand the importance of eating right. You know, they putting, they're trying to align their ducks in a row, so to speak. You know what I mean? They're trying to have an ace card down as far as the best thing, nutrition, the best skill trainer, the best place to go run and train and play it play pickup games and they watching film and stuff like that right so the way it's kind of like evolved uh even from chris's time to my time to now is just it's just night and day do either either one of you guys uh aspire to coach after y'all are done hooping i actually uh the owner, I'm like really close with my owner, the owner of my team. Um, and he, he wants me to get into coaching. He wants me to coach the one of – he has three teams in our league, and he wants me to he wants me to get into coaching right when I'm done. So I'm thinking about it. It's, it's going to be a tough decision because, I, like I said, a lot of my family's in the States. And um, I've been away for – I've been away for 11 years already, and I've – I haven't been able to see my nephews and my niece grow up. And I don't. I don't have a family myself, so uh, it's been it's been tough to kind of watch that from afar. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough decision for me to make. I mean, obviously, I would love to do it, and it would be great on my resume if I were to able to put that professional coach uh, professional coach on my on my resume, and I brought it back to the states with me, but. Uh, I mean, I, I would love to stay connected to the game somehow. And I feel like I have a, knowledge, a lot of knowledge to give, a lot of knowledge that I've acquired over the years of just learning how to play the game and, and, and being a professional and being a good person that I feel like it would be a disservice if I didn't get into coaching. What about you, Ben? Uh, man, for me, I had to, I had an opportunity to uh, to get a coaching uh, – get a coaching – tight position on my resume last year um I had been dealing with a health issue that I took some time to to away from the game and as I took some time away an opportunity that I was that I was working on the network working towards it kind of just lined up perfectly um so I coached last year in the G League underneath the Chicago Bulls umbrella with the with the Windy City Bulls and I was I was a legitimate assistant coach. Nice. I had 13 scouts and watching film and breaking down individual film for for certain guys in our team and um, 
it was one of those things that I never thought I would do. At at uh, I never thought about coaching. Period. You know what I mean? I, I I would I would think most players you want to just play as long as you can, right? And just you don't even think about things until you, you got to think about them. So I think that's kind of how it was for me. Um, it's something that I know I can do, and it's something that uh, I guess even Chris could share, like. From a point guard standpoint, you just you just see so much, and you don't realize how much that translates into coaching, and how having the ability to teach and understand all five positions, and team management, and and, and egos, and things of that nature. You know what I mean? So, I think uh, taking that opportunity last year was something that I'm just like it was eye opening for me. I surprised myself, and uh, as I continue to grow into this, you know, like a you know, a, a young or a leader, leader. I just know that it's something that I, I could lead. So I could lead a group of men for sure one day if the, if the right opportunity presented itself. You know, I was going to bring that point up too about you know, both of y'all being at the point guard position and and just knowing you guys and watching you play over the years and and uh, you know uh, watching you play in person or on, uh, online or whatever. You can just tell that you're understanding the game is at another level, especially running that point guard spot because you gotta you gotta run the you gotta run the show, right, for your team. And so that definitely does translate uh well. Especially y'all's demeanor and y'all's uh you know, the way you carry yourself and the way you present things. I mean, I think you two would be great. Yeah, I you know you gotta be an extension of the as a point guard you're an extension of the coach already. So especially like with my role right now, like pretty much my coach gives me free range, like Tell, never, I never have to look at the bench for a play call. I make all the play calls. I I put people in position to be successful. So uh, it, it's it's been great, man. Like the last, I would say, five six years have been like that, where I, where, I, where I've been making all the calls, and he has no complaints about it. Uh, and it's been good, man. I mean, obviously, it's it's a whole different beast. And you have to sit on the sidelines and be the coach, be the leader of men. But I feel like I've, I I got a pretty good head start. No, well, Benza, let's let's talk real quick. Give, give me your top five NBA or top five players of all time. Just top top of your head, top five. In order or no order? No order, not not by position. Just top five of all time. Well, well, um, I I didn't get a. When I when I do these lists, I go by people that I've seen play. True, I got you. I can't put like Will and Bill Russell because I never saw them play, right? Yeah. Even even Matt, I only saw like the, the tail end of Magic, so I I, I couldn't even put Magic. In there, so uh, Jordan, obviously, LeBron, obviously, um, Shaq, obviously, Tim Duncan. Uh, and that fifth, man. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give Ooze some love and throw Akeem in there. Akeem was cold, though. I love Akeem. Akeem. I, I'll throw the dream in there. So <laughs> those, those would be my five. But my, my favorite player of all time is Penny, Penny Hardaway. Yeah. Oh, Penny's nice. If he never got hurt, he would – Oh yeah, you know Penny. You, know, you feel bad for guys like Penny or or Grant and some guys that T Mac, even Tracy. I mean Tracy had a good career, but 
still, he still wasn't the same after he was his injuries. Brandon, Brandon Roy. Brandon Roy. They, they just showed the highlight today on Twitter uh, when he uh, took over that fourth quarter after coming back from injury against Dallas. Oh man, I, I mean, I saw it live, and then uh, and then watching it today this morning, it gave me goosebumps because that that was just incredible. To me, that was incredible. Like, well, hold on, what, how can I not put Kobe in there? Did I say Kobe? Yeah, but I was, no, you did not. But I wasn't going to influence your your decision. No, Kobe got to be in there too. Yeah, it got to be six. <laughs> okay, we'll go six deep. Six got to be six. Um, and I think that that Brandon Roy performance was great. And then, uh, like when I was a kid, when I saw that Reggie Miller deal when he went off against the Knicks at the end and and scored like eight points in whatever seconds. And that just lit fire. So I just went outside and shot like for the next seventeen <laughs> hours and just shooting shooting. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know if kids do that anymore, but, I mean, whenever I would see stuff like that, you know, the first thing I did was grab the ball and take my butt outside, you know, yeah. try, try, to, try to recreate that stuff. Right. Now, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a shoehead, right, but, but you're, like, on another planet with that stuff. Like, yeah, what, what's the deal with that? You just fell in love with shoes at a young age or? My, uh, like I said, I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest of, of, of three. And we lived on base, and you know, on base the shoes are just a little bit cheaper, no taxes. So, uh, growing up, my dad would always try to give me whatever shoes I wanted. Uh, and my, I, I, I think my brother had an influence on that. He was a little older than I was, but I remember the first shoes that I really wanted was a pair of Shacks. When Shaq was a Reebok, I think it was like ninety, maybe ninety two. Diagnosis? No, no, no. Those. Nah, it was like his first ones when he was with. They were black and blue, and I remember because uh, I I wanted them so bad. My dad got them for me, and then I wore black socks because that was when Fab Five was just coming out. Fab Five had just came out, and I wore black socks. And uh, ever since then, like I I just been a shoe hair. I got I had shacks like those are the as far back as I can remember. I remember getting the shacks, and then I remember Kevin Johnson had a pair of Converse. I had I had those, and then uh, after that I kind of just turned over to Jordan. Yeah, and I would try to get my dad would try to get me one or two pair of Jordans per year, like one 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 for the beginning of school year, and then one for basketball season, and then maybe one for Christmas. Yeah. So I was always getting I was for sure getting three pair of shoes every year, and ever since then I kind of just I just fell in love with shoes, man. And it, it's easier now that like. I have a I have a Nike out here in the Philippines, so I get they give me way more shoes than I can I can deal with. Like I think the last pickup I had, they sent me like maybe close to thirty pair of shoes, twenty five pair of shoes. And it was just I had nowhere to put them in my house. Like I just put it outside my room. Like it was just a stack of boxes outside my room, and uh, so it makes it a lot easier now to write. Like I don't really I don't. If I buy a pair of shoes, it will be a shoe, a pair that I really want. You want? Yeah. I mean, they just they give me way too much stuff to even like. I I, I have a small shoe size, so I wear a ten and a half. Of that, so not, nobody I know wears my shoe size, or else I'll be giving them out to all my homies. Yeah. We get left out the picture, Ben. What size you wear, Ben? Fourteen, thirteen? I'm a fourteen, man. I don't know. I'm weird. I'm 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 I'm. My foot just kept growing for some reason. Or else I, I, I take some shoes off your hands, Ross, for real. 
I'm a 14. I'm not even as tall as Ben, but I'm still, I'm still a 14. Uh, <laughs> tough, tough for us, uh, Chris. You don't know, know what it's like. <laughs> I, think my, I think my feet stopped growing when I like. I think when I was a junior in high school, I was wearing an 11 and a half, and then after high school, I just wanted my shoes to be tighter and tighter and tighter. Interesting. All right, so then who's who got the best line? I guess just this is more of a personal favorite. Uh, you know, you got Jordan line, you got the Kobe line, you got the LeBron line, and then you got the Penny, the Penny line. You know, out of those four uh, series of shoes, who would you say is your favorite? And this for both of you. Oh. I'm a Jordan guy. I got all the Jordans. I play in Jordans. People don't like. People always ask me like, "How do you play in these retro Jordans?" Like, it's just what I'm used to. I've been playing in my whole life. So. I'm a Jordan guy, and then after Jordan, I'm a Penny guy. So, I'm a I'm a Jordan guy. Like, I'm a Jordan guy. So I'll be able to do a Ross on that. I'm a Jordan guy. He he just his shoes are just a staple of just, and I feel like they're not going anywhere. He's literally he's arguably the greatest player to ever play. But then his shoes are. The shoe kind of speak for itself, and then if uh, if I had to say, um, I probably like I put I I take LeBron over Penny as far as like close second. Cause who's who's never saw Penny play? That's why, young boy. I did, I, I did see Penny play. Uh, <laughs> I seen I seen I seen Orlando Penny play actually. <laughs> I, and I, I like his I like his shoes the half sense. I like I like I like a lot of his shoes, but I just I just feel like he he may have only like a couple pair, but Bron got like Bron got some heat, man. And it's I just feel like just the, the longevity of it, the his shoe line. But but Penny's his aren't going anywhere for a reason. They came back out for a reason. Like he was really a problem. You're right. Yeah. Hey, but but Penny's only go so many deep, right? As far as his, uh, I think he's only up on like five or six. Yeah. Five. He's yeah. up five. And the real popular ones are only the, you know, I guess the first few. Uh, yeah, so that's what Ben's trying to say. You know, LeBron's on like, what number is he on? Like 20 already? What pair is LeBron 16 on? Or, 16 or 17. 17, yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. His The first ones alone are just. <laughs> I got three pair of them. I have. I got three pair of them. The black and white ones. I got the black and white ones. I got the tan ones, and I got the white ones. Man, the black one, and white. The 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 number seven LeBron, the green St. Vincent St. Mary's with the gold laces. Those are so sick, and and they're perfect for my work school colors. Uh, yeah. And the only place I can find them, I'm not paying two grand for a pair of shoes, so I'm like, I'm just gonna. Chalk these up to a loss. I'm never gonna get these. Uh, those are those are those are probably my favorite looking LeBrons. Those are nice. My uh, out here in the Philippines, uh, his high school teammate Romeo Travis. Uh-huh. He yeah. plays out here in the Philippines. He's been here maybe three times, and uh, on his IG, some like sometimes he'll just post like some random LeBrons in his closet. I'm like, man, I'll message him like, man, you cheating, bro? Like, yeah. you don't only want to got access to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, That's a dope feeling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, Ben, I remember you telling me a story uh, back uh, when we were hooping at McCullum one day about uh, you got the starting nod at, at Toronto one night. You're playing against, I guess, Miami. And uh, yeah, 
you had to switch up on LeBron. Uh, or he switched up on you to pick you up with the rock. What was that like? Uh, I think that was like uh, my second time playing against him. Like uh, I had a like my first time in Jersey. I played against him, but it was probably like the last minute or two of the game. Like I, I didn't I didn't see a lot of time my rookie year, but it's my second year I was fortunate enough to play. You know, we was down a lot of bodies, but man, he. We had a one-three pick and roll play that we were run with, like uh, me and whoever, right? And LeBron was guarding the three, but they would switch one through three, and he literally switched on to me, and I'm at the top of the key now. And I remember him just getting in his defensive stance, and I, I was just like, how is he like, uh, how is he like just spread out like this? Just, and I just, I just never saw, I never knew he was that like just. I didn't know he was that like he's literally like six nine, but homie cover a lot of ground. Marcus, like you feel me? So I, I didn't realize it. <laughs> he's a specimen, bro. Absolutely. He's a specimen. Probably one of the greatest yeah. athletes to ever walk the face of this planet. Ever, ever, hands down, hands down. Another, <laughs> he could play football. Oh, LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I, when people tell me who's who's the greatest, I know the answer is Jordan, but I want to say LeBron just because he's we're in the same class, we graduated the same class. So yeah, I always want that like the greatest player ever was in my class. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And also, yeah. we're getting old, uh, Chris. Say it again. It also means we're getting old. Oof! <laughs> I can feel it too. I'll be trying. I'll be trying not to feel it. <laughs> you uh you know what you guys are doing you know from san antonio you guys uh played high school ball here grew up here uh and to go out there and see the world travel the world through the game i mean i don't think you realize what that means to a lot of the kids and, and the youth that are around here watching this stuff and playing in the olympics and you know winning championships in the philippines and just doing all, what you're doing you know, it's it's quite the feat. So, so much respect to you guys. I got nothing but love and respect for you two. And the way you carry yourself off the floor, you know, as professionals, I mean, it, that that speaks volumes. Because a lot of pros out there, but not everybody carries themselves a certain way. And I think that speaks volumes to to the kids out there for sure. Appreciate it. No doubt, no doubt. I I think uh, I think it's dope when uh, you know, I am in town and. I've had an opportunity to mentor a couple of kids that have gone on either, you know, have good high school careers in transition or they've had successful college careers in transition. But I think uh, just knowing that the reach and the influence, because, you know, you don't even, you don't realize it. You don't set out to do those things initially, right? Then as you get older, you almost like have a, you take responsibility of like knowing who's who or, how somebody's doing or trying to just understand, like, even though I'm not around, it's still all love in certain, you know, in certain capacities, right? Just around the city. And like I said, the game is growing. The the the, the kids are coming out of San Antonio more consistently, more often. So it's only right for uh, them to understand, like, who came before them. So. And uh, it's it's just dope to see the, the the evolution continue to take place. I was looking up the raw, the shot he hit the win state. I'm looking, I'm like, man, 
I felt a part of that. You know what I mean? So it, it was uh it's all it's all for the the better the betterment of the of the whole San Antonio hoop culture, man, because they sleep on us and I feel like we we're 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 getting better and doing it the right way at that. So yeah. picking off what was it saying, like I've I've kind of came out of my box a little bit as far as social media goes. Um, reaching out to more of these younger guys that are in the city and doing, trying to do things for themselves out like in, in the college level and, and trying to branch out because, like for me, uh, back then I didn't have that. Like I didn't, I, I couldn't just, I couldn't talk to someone that went through what I was trying to go through. So yeah. for me, I've been, I've been trying to reach out to more and more younger guys just to give them an outlet to if they want to ask me questions. And, uh, what not? Then I, I can be that. I can be that that outlet for them. Cause I mean, you know, a lot of the times, like you got their parents pushing them and and whatnot, but they don't really want to hear it from their parents all the time. They want to hear it from from someone else. So I, I try to be that outlet for guys. Now I'm getting better at it with as far as reaching out to guys and finding guys on on, on social media and try to be that that outlet for, for uh, some of the younger guys. Right. Right. These guys see you guys have been there, been through it, and had success, you know, so you, your your opinions and your advice, it carries a lot of weight. Yeah. I mean, I, like Chris said, get, get, getting out of uh, his box, I'm doing that. I'm doing learning to do that myself, you know, because it's important. It's important and it's something that um, if you can help, man, if you, you know, it's, I think somebody told me this the other day, like, it's it's a ble- the blessing is to be able to be a blessing to somebody. So in a time of need or in a time of like adjustment for somebody to be able to give back words, you know, not it don't have to necessarily be financially, just just time, you know what I mean? Yep. And, and 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 sacrificing like a bit of it, a advice to somebody. So yep. it's like like so I'm doing I'm trying to understand that the, that responsibility a little bit better at now as opposed to maybe a couple years ago. Dang, so he's the next one, or he's yeah, he got potential. It's just dope to hear that. You know what I mean? So, sh- shout out to everybody that's that's got their hand helping these kids continue to evolve and and, and, and come out the tone. This is definitely dope to see. Absolutely. Uh, you know, before we uh, call it a day, you know, you guys are you know both on social media, and, and we see everything that's going on in, in our country as far as race racism goes um no without getting too deep into it you know the problem and stuff but more so what what do you feel is the importance i've seen you guys using your platform to kind of speak out a little bit so just talk a little bit about the importance of utilizing that platform and i know like you know chris you wrote a, a, a real powerful uh, message through a letter you know things of that nature just talk about that importance of being able to, to utilize that platform for for me um a lot of a lot of the things I'm I'm just getting educated on myself because I mean this is these aren't things that were taught in history class in school growing up right mm-hmm. um, so for me is is just trying to get as much knowledge out as possible because if you can affect for me if you can just affect one person uh, you're doing your job and hopefully that that one person turns to two two turns to four and so on and so forth. <laughs> 
it's just trying to reach out and, and spread the word and, and 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 try to affect as many people as possible because I, I feel like it, it's been so long that people have been oppressed and the way the, the system is broken or the way the system is built for, for people, for non-white people to not succeed. Um, I, I feel like change is coming soon and uh, as long as, as more people are educated on the fact and more people are speaking on it and, and more people are just hearing other people's side of the story, and, and I think that only good can come out of it. Uh, so, like I said, for me, I'm, I'm usually been, been probably the same way. Uh, I'm usually a guy that, that keeps to myself and, and tries to stay in, a, in, a, in as much of a bubble as I can, but... If you have a platform and you can and you can use it for for something positive like this, then why not? Why why not try to affect one person or two people or three people? Uh, it, it, it'll only be good for society, and I'll continue to do it as long as I can. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, change is coming soon. Right, man. Like Ross said, like. It's been years of oppression that, you know, we haven't, we weren't witnessed, but it's like, man, what we witnessed, you know, last month was something that was just, it was just really heavy. So if you, if you have a heart, you definitely understand to the capacity of the kind of light that's being shed in the country uh, as a whole right now. So if you, if you have a, if you're an influencer or your guy or a lady that has a, a platform, man, it, please use it and you know i'm not i'm i'm really low key in all these things but man it's it's this i i i have to do something in, in a sense of at least doing my part to bring uh people that i that understand oh what you think about this well I, this is what i think about it in, in my own way of 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 of, of showing support to 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 just doing the right thing you get what i'm saying so it's been a heavy time, but man, we got to continue. All of us to continue to go the extra mile, extra mile, time and time again. <laughs> Most definitely. Well, guys, I, I appreciate your insight, and I appreciate you guys taking some time out. I know, I know, Ben, you're, you're traveling all over the place, and uh, you guys are a little busy. So, the fact that you took some time out to talk, you know, about your journey and about about your life and, and hoops, you know, I, I, I'm grateful. You know, two of the most humble guys I've ever met. You know, through this hoop stuff, and and uh, you represent the city well. So much love and much respect. Appreciate you having us, man. Appreciate it, Mark. No problem. You guys be safe. You take care of yourselves. And if y'all need something, hit me up. Hit me up. Yep, you too. My guy. All right, Ross. Yep. Be easy. Ooze.